relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Be the next success story. Welcome, dear friends, to a special episode of the Manhood Hour today with a good friend, a former colleague, and a man who, well, he has ambitions in the political arena. First, it was the governorship of California, and now it's the presidency of the United States. They call him the Sage of South Central. Larry Elder, welcome to the Manhood Hour. Dr. G, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. I love being on the manhood hour. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have so much to discuss, especially the amazing story. I think I've heard it like half a dozen times already of you reconciling with your father. We have to discuss that on the manhood hour. But first, there is a very uh, fortunate confluence. Uh, We are just about to see the release of your new book. I've got it in my hand. As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation, uh, with a forward by Candace Owens. Let's talk in general. Um, You're very successful. I don't know what the category is for what we are. Somebody called us media personalities. I'm not sure I approve of that. Anyway, um, you're a sage of the airwaves. Why on (laughs) earth did you decide to run for governor and then president. Did, 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 I mean, has somebody checked your temperature lately, Larry? Tell us the real reason. It, it's funny you should ask that. I never in a million years, Dr. G, thought I would run for anything. I did run for third grade class president before <laughs> you asked. Yes, I won that race. Uh, but um, I've always thought of politics as a spectator sport. I never denigrated politicians. I knew it was a tough job. Uh, every two years, four years, six years, depending upon your term, uh, the public goes thumbs up or thumbs down. You could lose your job. Uh, of course, uh, you're exposed to anything you've ever you've ever done, anything you haven't done. People say that you've done. So I was never in a million years uh, interested in running for office. The governor thing happened because Dennis Prager, among other people, approached me. My pastor, Pastor Jack Hibbs, I know you know who he is, uh, approached me. And people that I respect began to say, you know, Larry, there's a shot. No no uh, Republican has won statewide in California in 20 years. But this was different. This was a recall election. So many people were angry at Gavin Newsom for the way he shut down the state in a more severe way than anybody else did because of COVID while he was sitting up there at that French laundry restaurant, yucking it up with the very people who uh, made the mandates. Uh, He wasn't engaging in social distancing. He wasn't wearing a mask. He incurred a $12,000 wine tab, and they were all joking and joking and joking while other people uh, were not able to go to work. So people thought it was hypocritical, and enough people signed petitions to uh, make it 
uh, a recall election. Uh, and for a time, the recall part was in the margin of error, meaning uh, if enough people, 50 percent plus one, voted to recall Gavin Newsom, whoever got the most votes on the replacement side, and there were 46 candidates, counting myself, would have become governor. So it would be possible, step for somebody in California in a recall election to become governor with as little as 25 or 30 percent of the total votes cast. In 2003, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger successfully recalled a governor. On the replacement side, he got 49, roughly 49 percent of the vote. I got roughly 49 percent of the vote, and I wasn't an action star. So it was a, a, a compelling thing that I did. In eight weeks, we raised $27 million. As I mentioned, I got three and a half million votes. Uh, the second highest percentage was 9%. That's how big my lead was. It was almost like a Trump-like lead. California has 58 counties. I carry 57 and 58 counties, as I discussed in my book. Uh, and um, when it was all over, I went to Key West with my girlfriend to chill out. And so many people came up to me and said, I contributed to your race. I watched it. I was riveted. Why don't you run for president? Frankly, in a 50-50 nation, I was told by many, many people, you have a better chance of being elected president than being elected to anything as a Republican in California. So the more I thought about it, Seb, the more I thought I would do this. And it wasn't because I have some illusion that I'm going to topple uh, Donald Trump, who I thought was going to get the nomination, and I still do. It's because our side is not talking enough about certain issues that I think are extremely relevant, most notably something I've been talking about for decades, which is the epidemic of fatherlessness. Seventy percent of black people enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. Fifty percent of Hispanics do. Uh, and that number of blacks is up from 25 percent back in 1965. Now, 25 percent of white kids enter the world without a father in the home married to the mother. And the stats are clear. When you're raised without a dad, you're five times more likely to be poor and commit crime. Nine times more likely to drop out of school, and 20 times more likely to end up in jail. And nobody's talking about it. Our side doesn't talk about it for fear that if you do, you're going to be accused of engaging in systemic racism. If you're white, if you're black, you're the black face of white supremacy, which is what the LA Times called me. And the left doesn't talk about it because they created the problem. When Lyndon Johnson in the mid 60s launched the so called war on poverty, since then we have incentivized women to marry the government and incentivized men to abandon their financial and moral responsibility. The other thing is this. We're having this contentious thing right now with the with the speaker. And the primary reason for this is that some number of Republicans feel that uh, the party has not been fiscally responsible. And they're right. We are the party of fiscal responsibility compared to Democrats. But that's a low bar. Um, much of the spending is on automatic pilot. We're borrowing $5 billion a day. And now that borrowing is more expensive because the credit rating has been lowered. But if you run promising uh, deep cuts or promising to reform the so-called entitlement programs, which, by the way, even Bill Clinton and Barack Obama called unsustainable, you will lose elections. The only way to really get the spending down and to do the kind of reforms that are necessary is with an amendment to the Constitution that fixes spending to a certain percentage of the GDP. That's going to take some time to talk about. Uh, but from the bully pulpit, the president can make the case that young people are not going to have these programs unless we start making some serious cuts. The other thing is this. Democrats constantly talk about how systemically racist America is. It not only is not true, it's not only a lie that's dividing the country, it is getting people killed. It's called the Ferguson effect or the George Floyd effect. That's the phenomenon of cops pulling back all over the country in big city after big city for fear of being called systemically racist. 
if they engage in their normal proactive policing. As a result, in the last few years, there are thousands of people who are dead, mostly black and brown in the inner city who otherwise would be alive if the police had been doing their normal proactive policing. We need to get rid of these soft on crime, George Soros-backed DAs. On my website, LarryElder.com, I have model legislation uh, that states can adopt to set up commissions of retired judges and retired DAs to review these cases and get rid and make recommendations to get rid of these soft on crime George Soros backed DAs. Finally, there's this. Excuse me. <clears throat> Republicans support school choice, uh, but they still haven't made the case of how bad it is K through 12 in urban America, where, for example, just to pick two cities, Baltimore, there were 13 public high schools in Baltimore. I kid you not, zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level. And Chicago, there are 53 government schools. Zero percent of the kids can do math at grade level. Yet the Democratic Party, because of the large funds they get from the teachers' union, opposes school choice, even as the party elites, whether it's Barack Obama or Gavin Newsom or Joe Biden, send their own kids to private school. So those are the kinds of things that I'm bringing to the table. And I'm noticing Vivek Ramaswamy uh, has begun to talk about the epidemic of fatherlessness. There was a long column. Uh, by a left-wing longtime columnist named uh, Nicholas Kristof, New York Times, uh, chastising the left for ignoring the issue and saying ignoring the issue was counterproductive, his word, not mine. He would not have written that column had I not been talking about this. So I could tell I'm having an influence. And if I can uh, get uh, you-know-who to start talking more about these issues, I will feel like giving back to my party. And far more importantly, I will feel that I've given back to my country. I think uh, we can make that happen, and I think he's going to talk about it. Uh, he has a political future, in my opinion. The website is LarryElder.com. Um, we've got a minute left in this segment, Larry. How much money did you raise in those few weeks? $27 million in eight weeks. Okay. How much did Newsom spend on it? Uh, he spent almost $200 million. I got outspent probably about 10 to 1. And what are the limits on an incumbent governor when it comes to spending? He didn't have any limits, but I did. <laughs> Unbelievable. Just truly stunning. Did you hear what he just said? The incumbent governor has no limits. Anybody challenging him? Sure, they have a ceiling. But the guy who's in the building, they don't. That tells you all you need right. to know about gubernatorial politics in California. Follow this man at Larry Elder on social media. And the website is LarryElder.com. The book... Uh, you can order it right now, is As Goes California, my mission to rescue the golden state and to save the nation as well. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is the Manhood Hour. Uh, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, if you love the long form, the deep dive with true newsmakers like our friend Larry Elder, make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Look for my name, Sebastian Gorka, America First. Uh, leave us a five-star review. It costs you nothing. And, of course, share the links with your friends. We've already been discussing President Trump. If you've had it with the political targeting by the FBI and the DOJ of my former boss, we've put his booking photo, I hate the phrase, a mugshot, on a T-shirt, on a yard sign, on a mug with a very simple phrase, Trump 2024. Get yours today at sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A-C store.com. We can't make them fast enough. And please support the president directly at donaldjtrump.com. That's donaldjtrump.com. Back with Larry in a moment. Hi. 
Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Whether it's the regular Hellcat or whether it's the compensated RDP with that miniature red dot, I love them all. How did it take so long to invent a factory compensated subcompact 9mm? Well, guess what? Springfield did it, and I'm a huge fan, and I'm Sebastian Gorka. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory is still the smallest, highest-capacity micro-compact in the world. Available in standard or optics-ready configurations, the class-leading capacity of the Hellcat gives you 11 plus 1 with the standard magazine and 13 plus 1 with the included extended mag. The definitive concealed carry pistol is here. The Hellcat from Springfield Armory gives you the capacity to defend. of humanity on display, Howie, really. The worst that could be done to humans was done to these Israeli civilians, women, children, people who were peaceful people slaughtered in their own homes. We watched as bodies were piled into the back of a pickup truck outside the Stadot police station. The very minutes after this took place, as the attack was unfolding, we were the first crew down here in southern Israel at an evacuation point, and, and we watched as mothers pulled their children out of the backs of their personal cars, trying to push them into waiting ambulances and get them any sort of help they could receive. Trey Inkst discussing the horrors he has witnessed as war correspondent in Israel in just the last two weeks. Israel is at war. 1,400 people have been murdered, over 5,000 injured, and over 200 hostages taken, including women, children, and the elderly. Over 7,000 rockets have been fired. Uh, forcing over 100,000 Israelis to evacuate. It will get worse before it gets better. The need in the war-torn areas is dire. Israel needs your help now. Which is why we are partnering with our friends at the International Fellowship of Christians and Jews to rush emergency relief to the hardest-hit areas. Please support this blessed cause by going to my website, sebgorka.com, and clicking on the Israel at War banner at the top. The Israeli people are suffering, and you can literally help them right now in a material sense. You can call in uh, your support. You can make a donation by dialing 800 241 7771. Uh, just write that number down, please. 800 
241-7771. Or just go to my website. It's probably the easiest of all. And click on the Israel at War banner at the top. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A, sebgorka.com, and the Israel at War banner at the top. We are back with the one and only Larry Elder celebrating the impending release of his new book, As Goes California. Order it right now. Um, I can't uh, recommend it highly enough. Larry, um, we've spoken about your new political career. Let's talk about the theme of this hour we do every Monday, the, the Manhood Hour about the assault on classic concepts of masculinity and what it's going to take to fight back. In, in numerous works and everywhere I, I've heard you speak, you've told the story uh, in your book, Dear Father, Dear Son, uh, Two Lives at Eight Hours, and you've written it as well in A Lot Like Me, A Father and Son's Journey to Reconciliation. Will you, you, you have a unique story to tell because... Half of our guests, when I ask them, what's the greatest influence on you in your understanding of manhood, they, they're lucky enough to say their father. For others, right. it's a football coach or it's a teacher or it's some fictional character in an adventure novel. Mm -hmm. For you, it wasn't obviously your father because you were estranged from him for the longest time. So would you just tell that story about going back to your father's restaurant and what preceded it? Well, my father uh, was a World War II Marine vet, tough, tough, hard guy from that greatest generation. Uh, he wasn't very emotional. Uh, and my brothers and I were scared to death of him. Whenever we did something bad, my dad would take out his belt and he'd whip the crap out of us. In my opinion, far too harshly over things I thought were far too trivial. Uh, I did not feel I deserved much of the punishment that he meted out. So, um, unfortunately, my dad starts a little cafe when I'm 10 years old. Now I have to work for the SOB. So my dad yells at me in the restaurant. When I say restaurant, I'm talking about a little diner where everybody can see and watch everything. So I'm getting increasingly irritated by this. Now I'm 15 years old, having worked for him for five years. He would yell at me in front of people. And I told myself, said, the next time he yells at me, I'm going to walk out. So he yelled at me. I was afraid to walk out. He yelled at me again. I was afraid to walk out. He yelled at me again. That time I walked out. And how, how old were you day. when you walked out? I was, I was 15 years old. And my dad came home that day, and not too surprisingly, he was steamed. The, uh, the waitress had called in sick, by the way. So I walked out during rush hour. Uh, place was full of people, maybe 20 people. And my, my dad had to, had to attend to them all by himself. So he was not pleased when he came home. I lay on my bed as he walked in my bedroom, and he said, why did you leave? And for the first time, I spoke back to my dad. I said, I got sick and tired of the way you spoke to me, and I am not going to put up with it anymore. My dad paid me $10 a day plus tips. He threw the $10 at me as I lay on my bed. He walked out and said, my dad and I did not have another conversation for 10 years. And when I say not another conversation, I mean not even how about those Rams? What do you think about the Dodgers? Do you think it's going to rain? We didn't say anything to each other for 10 years. And it was easy. We have a tiny little house, but I knew my dad worked long hours. I just made sure I was never around when he was around. I graduated from high school. I go to college on the East Coast. I would come back to visit my mom, of course. I would just make sure that my dad and I were not in the same room. I never said a word to him. I go to college in the Midwest. I come back to uh, law school in the Midwest. I come back to visit my mom. I just made sure I didn't say a word to my dad. Now, I'm 25 years old, Seb. 
I've passed the California bar. I passed the Ohio bar. I got a job with this major law firm making a great deal of money for somebody so young. I should be living large. And I just couldn't sleep. And I knew it had to do with my dad. Not that I ever thought we'd be friends, but I told my secretary, living in Ohio, I said, call my clients. Uh, I'm going to go back to L.A. I'll be back in about three days. I didn't tell my parents I was coming because I didn't want my dad to prepare for this. So I took a cab from LAX to the restaurant. I knew he closed at 2.30. It was 1.30 when I walked in. I had a couple of bags of luggage. My dad was shocked to see me, and he said, Larry, should I put your luggage in the back? I said, no, Dad. I'm going to be here for five or ten minutes. I want to tell you something, then I'm going to leave. I was going to tell him what an awful father I thought he was, and I figured he'd tell me what an ungrateful son I am. At least maybe I'd go back to Cleveland, I'd be able to sleep. So as my, my, my dad said, wait until we close. So I sat on a little stool, and I said, now, Larry, don't tee off on the man. Just give him the highlights uh, and get out of there after, after you have this brief conversation. So my dad sat down on a stool right next to mine and said, I teed off on him. I spoke for 20 minutes nonstop. I talked about every whipping I remembered, every every slight I remembered, the time he spanked me in front of my cousin Elaine, the time he spanked me in front of my best friend Carl. I told him everything, everything, everything that he did. And the man just sat there and took it. Every now and then he how, reached how over. Long, how long did it take for you to unload all of this burden? 20 minutes. Okay. And and I, I want us to, you know, I want to get the reaction from your dad in a second in, in the next okay. segment. But I just want to be clear here. You, it was clear to you that you had to do this because, you know, you weren't getting sleep because of unfinished business right. was your dad with your dad. Was, was that was that clear to you that, you know, this this you had to do this? Yeah, right. It was clear that I had to do this. I had to at least clear the air because I couldn't sleep, and I was thinking about my father. And again, not that I ever thought we'd become friends. Yeah, yeah. I just no, no. You, do, you, do, you just had to um, yeah. get, get it off your chest. All right, we're That's gonna right. do. We're gonna do a little <laughs> tease there. We're gonna keep you hanging. Uh, we're talking to Larry Elder. What did his dad react after ten years of them literally not talking to each other? We're talking to the candidate for the president of the United States, my buddy, my former Salem colleague, Larry Elder. The website is Larry Elder. You can follow him. He's got a pretty mean social media game at Larry Elder, also on Instagram. Uh, if you want to get constant updates from us and the team here, make sure you are following us on all the social media platforms. Just put Seb Gorka or Seb Gorka in to Twitter, Truth Social, Facebook, Instagram, Parler, Getter, Telegram. You can watch us on the Salem News Channel app on Roku and on Firestick. And don't forget, brand new article this morning on my advice to my family in these trying times at SebastianGorka.substack.com. That's SebastianGorka, one word, .substack.com. On this MyPillow's 20-year anniversary with over 80 million MyPillows sold, Mike Lindell wants to thank you by giving you the lowest price in history on their MyPillows. You will receive a queen-size MyPillow for just $19.98, regular price $69.98, and just $10 more for a king-size. You will receive deep discounts on all MyPillow products, such as bed sheets, mattress toppers, pet beds, mattresses, my slippers, and so much more. This is the time to try out some of their other amazing products you've had your eye on. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio podcast square, and use promo code GORKA to receive this amazing offer on the queen-size MyPillow for $19.98, or call 800 829 
0.68. This offer comes with a 10-year warranty and a 60-day money-back guarantee. It's time to start getting the quality sleep you deserve. Go to MyPillow.com, promo code G-O-R-K-A, or call 800-829-8468 today. MyPillow.com, code Gorka. Hi, this is President Trump, and Sebastian is really a friend of mine. He's a great guy. He's been with me from the beginning. Listen to him. We all learn. Thank you, Mr. President. Shouldn't being a patriot be about everything you do? I mean, really, you can be patriotic in all kinds of ways. What about where you do your shopping? Resist the urge to get all that Chinese garbage on Amazon. Why not buy products from an American company, products that are made here in the United States? Start with our great buddy, Mike Lindell, supporter of America First. He's celebrating 20 years of my pillow. That's incredible. The pillow that never gets hot, never loses shape, over 81 million sold. But did you know he's got another more than 150 items on his website, MyPillow.com, from the MyPillow pet beds that my dogs Killian and Leia adore to the sheepskin line slippers, pajamas, towels, you name it. Check it out. Made in America for you. Go to MyPillow.com. Get up to 66% off if you use my name. Or call them. Talk to a human being. How nice is that? 800-829-8468. That's 800 800- 829-8468, mypillow.com, but for the massive discounts, the secret code, G-O-R-K-A. We're back with Larry Elder. The new book is As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save the Nation Presidential Candidate. The website is LarryElder.com. Larry, so you're telling the story, estranged <laughs> from your dad from 15 to 25. You go back to unload. You tee off on him after the cafe, after the diner closes. What happens next? After I stopped speaking, my dad looked at me and he said, is that it? <laughs> you didn't speak to me for 10 years because of that? And for the first time, I saw my father cry. He said, let me tell you about my father. You know your last name, Elder? I said, yes. He said, that's not the name of my biological father. I said, what? Who's your biological father? My dad said, I have no idea. I never met him. Who's Elder? Elder was an alcoholic. Uh, he lived with my mother and me for about four or five years. He didn't work. And when he did work, he'd bring the money home, give it to my mom so that he wouldn't drink it away. Come Wednesday, he'd want the money. If she didn't give him the money, he beat the crap out of her. If I tried to stop him, he beat the crap out of me. Fast forward, I'm now 13 years old, my dad said. Elder was long gone. He came home, and he began quarreling with his mother's then-boyfriend. The mother sided with the boyfriend, and threw my father out of the house, never to return. And said for the next eight hours, which is why the book is called Dear Father, Dear Son, uh, Two Lives, Eight Hours. For the next eight hours, my dad told me about his life. And I knew nothing about his life because I didn't like him. I never asked him about his life. I didn't care. I mean, I knew he was an only child because we never got any gifts from anybody. Uh, And I met his mom one time. Outside of that, I knew nothing at all about my dad's life. He walked down this dirt road in Athens, Georgia, Jim Crow South, at the beginning of the Great Depression, picked up trash, cleaned out barns. Ultimately, he became a Pullman porter on the trains. They were the largest private employer of blacks in those days. So this little black man uh, was able to travel all around the country. He came to this state called California, a city called Los Angeles. It was warm. Uh, people seemed more friendly. And my dad was blown away 
that you can walk in the front door of a restaurant, sit down, and get served. Pearl Harbor, my dad joins the Marines. Uh, he was stationed on the island of Guam in charge of cooking for the colored soldiers. My dad can look at a cake and tell you what's in it. He gets out of the military. He goes to Chattanooga, Tennessee, where he met married my mom to get him a job as a cook. And he's told by restaurant after restaurant after restaurant, pardon the word, we don't hire. He went to an unemployment office. Lady says, you went through the wrong door. He went out to the hall and saw colored only, went through that door to the very same lady who sent him out. He came home to my mom and said, this is BS. I'm going to Los Angeles, where I was before the war. I'm going to get me a job as a cook, and I'll send for you. Comes out to L.A., walks around, and he's told, I'm sorry, you don't have any references. My dad said, I need references to make ham and eggs. He even wanted to work for free for a written reference, and nobody would give him one either. So he was treated the same way in California as he was in Chattanooga. Maybe they were a little more polite about it. Unemployment office, one door this time. Lady says, I have nothing. My dad said, what time do you open? She says, nine. What time do you close? She says, five. My dad said, I'll be sitting in that chair till you find something. Sat in that chair for a whole day, came back the next day. She calls him up and says, I have something. I don't know whether you're going to want it. My dad said, of course I'm going to want it. I'm starting a family. What is it? She says, a job cleaning toilets at Nabisco brand bread. My dad did that for over 10 years, took a second full-time job cleaning toilets at another bread company, uh, cooked for a family in the weekend because he wanted my mom to be a stay-at-home mom, which she was until the last of us was in middle school, went to night school to get his GED. After that, he went to night school to learn how to operate a small restaurant. Fast forward, age 47 years old, my dad starts this little restaurant, ran it until his 80s. My dad retired. He owned the restaurant, that property, the property next door, plus the house that's still in our family. Not too shabby for eighth grade dropout. Anyway, my dad told me this story, and as he's telling me the story, Seth, my dad is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and Larry is getting smaller and smaller <laughs> and smaller. It's And finally, I'm crying, and I apologize to my dad. My dad said, don't apologize. You just didn't know. But follow the rules I've always given you and your brothers. Hard work wins. You out of life what you put into it. It's... You cannot control the outcome, but you're 100% in control of the effort. Before you moan or groan, go to the nearest mirror, look at it and say to yourself, what could I have done to change the outcome? And finally, no matter how hard you work, how good you are, he said, sooner or later bad things are going to happen. How you deal with those bad things will tell your mother and me if we raised a man. Dear father, dear son, two lives, eight hours, an incredible story. We're talking to Larry Elder coming to you from the relieffactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating. Half a million, no, it's a million, the latest stats are a million Americans from their daily pain, me included. Find out for yourself, order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do, and I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you like it works for me and a million Americans. 800-583-84, relieffactor.com. When the government used emergency edicts during COVID to restrict the gathering and worship of churches, three pastors facing the risk of imprisonment, unlimited fines, and their own churches being ripped apart took a courageous stand and reopened their doors in the face of a world that chose to comply. The Essential Church is a feature-length documentary that explores the struggle between the church and government throughout history. This fascinating story uncovers those who've sacrificed their lives throughout history for what they truly believe in. 
we discover why the church is essential and how we prove that this stand remains true from a scientific, legal, and most importantly, biblical perspective. This is not your typical movie. It'll change your life. You need to see this movie with your friends and family. The Essential Church is streaming today exclusively at SalemNow.com. That's Essential Church, streaming at SalemNow.com. The Antidote to Fake News, America First. Welcome back, dear friends. We have another 13 months of this insanity. You know it's going to get worse before it gets better domestically and internationally under the Biden regime. What happens if next time it's not baby formula, but the staples for life? Do you have a plan B? Can you feed your family? Do you know the average grocery store has 72 hours worth of stock in the back? After that, it's empty. You're on your own. Can you feed your family in those situations? I can because I've gone with the biggest and best in the business, my Patriot Supply. They have the best emergency rations. And right now, if you use my name, you'll get 25% off. You need to have a plan B. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Go with the best in the business. Go to preparewithgorka.com. That's preparewithgorka.com. If you're a father, a husband, a grandfather, it is your duty. It is your responsibilities to provide. Preparewithgorka.com for 25% off right now. Preparewithgorka.com. We're back with Larry Elder celebrating the impending launch of his new book, As Goes California. Support him. Follow him at LarryElder.com. Larry, let's go to the heart of the issue that that you've injected into the presidential debate that you've stimulated Vivek and hopefully the president uh, of entry president Trump to discuss uh, I watched your movies Uncle Tom and uh, Uncle Tom 2 and they're incredible movies perhaps the most gut-wrenching is the first four minutes of Uncle Tom 2 you know the the credit sequence where you and your colleagues discovered this stunning home footage from black families across America from the 40s and 50s, the opulence, the, the finesse, the clothes, mm-hmm. the cars, the, the beaming right. smiles, just these incredible, intact, happy, prosperous families that clearly have been dismantled by, by the left and by, you know, the, the caring welfare state. <sighs> Where, where, where are we now? Uh, you, you gave us the shocking figures of 70% of blacks, uh, black children born out of wedlock. We see the mugshot of the president um, allegedly being some kind of catalyst for the black community, especially the men. We, we've put the, the booking photograph on, on our products here. We literally cannot make them fast enough, whether it's the, the T-shirt, whether it's the, the yard sign or the mug. Give me some good news. Is, is something is something happening, or, or, or tell me what is it going to take for Black America to say, yeah, yeah, we're on a political plantation run by the Democrats, and we want to get off. Well, for, first, the bad news. Uh, again, about seventy percent of Black kids enter the world without a father in the home, married to the mother. And when I mentioned this to Charlemagne the God. Uh, where I was a couple of months ago, Uh, he pushed back and did not think it was that big of a deal. I said, all right, 
According to the Center for Disease Control, a black man aged 10 to 43 is 13 times more likely to be murdered than a white male, same demo. The number one cause of preventable death for a 19-year-old white male and, and under is accidents, like car accidents, right. or drownings, or drug overdoses. The number one cause of preventable death for a 19-year and younger black male is homicide, almost always at the hands of another 19-year-old and younger black male. Blacks account for 60% of the shootings, of the robberies, and the homicides here in America. If it isn't the absence of fathers in the home married to the mother, and I'm assuming you're not prepared to say black people are just genetically inclined to commit more crime, tell me what it is. And he had no response. As for the good news, a growing number of black people are beginning to reject the policies of Democrats. Donald Trump got roughly 8% of the black vote in 2016. He got 12% in 2020. That's a 50% increase. And 20% of black men voted for Donald Trump. And I think black people are beginning to see how bad things are. Uh, as I mentioned, K through 12, urban education. They're seeing the crime. Uh, they're seeing the uh, the way the police have been maligned to the point where the police are pulling back. And now a bunch of uh, people are now dead who otherwise wouldn't be dead if the police were doing their normal proactive policing. So you add all these things up, and I think black people are beginning to wake up. At least I hope so. And what you've been talking about this for, for decades on, on your shows. What is the most powerful catalyst? Because it looks as if the politicians don't get it. Looks as if the church leaders don't want to do anything about it. Is it just going to be people in the community? Who, who, who is most likely to turn this around, Larry? I think it's just people seeing what's going on. It's just common sense. Uh, I don't think it's the clergy, because uh, probably the most contentious interview that I had when I ran for governor was a virtual interview with around six or eight pastors. And when I began talking about the epidemic of fatherlessness, and I said it was a far bigger problem uh, than the alleged systemic racism, they went ballistic and began to attack me. One of them even said, you know, I was thinking about voting for you, but now I'm not. And they all talked about the things that happened to them because of the police. When in fact, the stats show, if anything, cops are more hesitant, more reluctant to pull the trigger on a black suspect than a white suspect. The police kill more whites every year than blacks. Um, they kill more unarmed whites every year than unarmed blacks. And most people have no blooming idea about these numbers. Meanwhile, you've got four months worth of protests starting in May of 2020 because of the death of George Floyd. I want to remind people the lead prosecutor in that case was a black man. And he took pains in his opening statement to say the police in general were not on trial. In fact, he praised the police. He said the Minneapolis PD in general is not on trial. He talked about the many people he knew who worked there. He said this individual was on trial for acts of omission and commission and never even suggested that the officer was motivated because of George Floyd's race. Yet you have uh, these protests, the deadliest protests in the history of America, 25 people killed, 2,000 uh, police officers uh, injured, $2 billion in insured damage, maybe another billion or two in uninsured damage, all because of an assumption yeah. uh, that what happened to George Floyd had to do with his race when there's zero evidence uh, that the officer was motivated because of his race. 
Get an idea of what can be done. Uh, you can pre-order it right now. It'll be out in a couple of days. It is the book As Goes California, My Mission to Rescue the Golden State and Save a Nation from our friend Larry Elder. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First. It's the Manhood Hour coming to you from the ReliefFactor.com studios. Relief Factor, pain relief that works, pain relief that's real, pain relief that is liberating over a million Americans from their daily pain, me included. Yes, I had a low back pain issue that plagued me for Nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor, and two weeks later, I was pain-free. And I'm still pain-free more than four and a half years later. But it's not just me. It's people like Gary from California. This is Gary's story. I cannot thank you enough. I'm 62 years old and have started taking Relief Factor. I have never felt better and will recommend it to all my baby boomer friends. That should be you. Find out today. Order the three-week quick starter pack at relieffactor.com. It'll be at your door in three days or less. Take it morning and evening like I do. And I promise you, Dr. G's guarantee, by the end of those three weeks, you will know whether it works for you, like it works for me, Gary, and over a million of your fellow Americans. Nineteen ninety-five for the three-week quick starter pack. That translates for, to less than a dollar a day. What can you get for less than a dollar a day? You can't even get a cup of coffee. Find out today. You deserve to know. You've waited long enough. Write this number down. 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Find out if you are the next Relief Factor success story. That's 800-500-8384. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. America first. Magnificent. Welcome back, dear friends. Uh, if you have had it with the persecution of my former boss, support him today. Wear the uh, booking photograph, the mugshot heard around the world on this T-shirt, on this yard sign in your yard, or on this mug with a very simple message, Trump 2024, sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A store.com. Or support him directly at donaldjtrump.com. Somebody who should be up there on the presidential debate podium, is I have a question regarding um, his political future. To wrap up the manhood hour, is Larry Elder. And first, you said in the break you want to wrap up that discussion of uh, policing and the black community in America, Larry? That's right. Uh, there's a website called policemag.com. And on the website, they discussed a poll. And they asked people who were self-described as very liberal, how many unarmed black men did the police kill uh, in 2019? Half of the self-described very liberal people thought the police killed 1,000, and 8% thought they killed 10,000. Now, as for the regular liberal people, 39% of regular liberal people thought the police killed 1,000 unarmed black men in 2019, and 5% thought they killed 10,000. The answer, according to the Washington Post database, 12. (laughs) That's the gap between what people think is going on and what, in fact, is going on. Yeah, reality, vice, perception. We've got literally two minutes left, Larry. Got to ask you, uh, I'd like to see you on the debate stage in Miami for the rest of the debates. Um, however, if you don't make it to the presidency, um, you, our last guest was Ben Carson, Dr. Carson. He ran against the president. He made it into the cabinet, a very successful member of the Trump cabinet. Would you consider being in the Trump cabinet of the second administration, if so invited? 
Uh, if I'm invited, uh, you have an obligation to consider it, but it's not really what I'm interested in. I really don't want to move to Washington, D.C. and be a <laughs> member of a, of a cabinet, commerce, labor, education, something like that. Uh, I would take the job as Secretary of Education uh, if Donald Trump allowed me to blow the place up in six months, no. because we, we ought not have a Department of Education. And, and, now, and if, 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 I was going to say, if, 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 if the man called me and offered me VP, I would not allow the phone call to go to voicemail. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> 30 seconds left. Whoever the president is, whether it's you, whether it's President Trump, what should they do day one? What would your priority be for the new president? Uh, finish the wall. Secure the borders. We've got people on the terror watch that's coming into this country. Some of them are Iranians. Uh, we've got to secure the border. That would be my number one goal. Uh, our audience loves this man. Um, before the first debate, we had multiple callers coming on saying, donate to this man now. We've got to get him on the stage. If you like the cut of his jib, it's a British phrase, look it up. <laughs> Go to LarryElder.com. That's LarryElder.com. And follow him at Larry Elder. I'm Sebastian Gorka. You've been listening to the Manhood Hour. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, keep your head on a swivel. Watch your six. Hold the line. Never give up. Never give in. And above all else, stay frosty. this continent a new nation conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal i know not what course others may take but as for me give me liberty or give me death the world will little note or long remember what we say here but it can never forget what they did here What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... Is America first with Sebastian Gorka? This is Hungary calling. This is Hungary calling. The last remaining station. Early this morning, the Soviet troops launched a general attack on Hungary. We are requesting you to send us immediate aid in the form of parachute troops. November the 4th, 1956. Soviet tanks roll into the streets of Budapest. The Hungarian people defend every last street corner, but rifles are no match for tanks. Why had the people of Hungary taken to the streets? What was it that they were prepared to die for?
67 years ago today, a group of students silently marched from a statue of a Polish hero in downtown Budapest to the headquarters of the national radio. They had been joined by the time they got there with workers from the factories of Trepel Island and elsewhere who had had enough of eight years of communism, of seeing their nation slowly destroyed, stolen, and the rights they held so dear as part of the West, of Judeo-Christian civilization, trammeled under the boot of Soviet occupation. They had some demands about self-determination, about electing a free government, about the stopping of censorship and the release of political prisoners that they wished to present to the national radio station headquarters. Instead of that occurring, out of the blue from the roof of that building, the IVH, the secret police, the Hungarian version of the KGB, opened fire on those unarmed students and factory workers. Thus began, 67 years ago today, the Hungarian Revolution, the freedom fight that is part and parcel is the reason of why I exist today and why I live as a free man in America. At the time of the revolution, my father was rotting in a political prison. He had been put there six years prior, at the age of 20, for being an anti-communist, betrayed by none other than the British double agent Kim Philby. He was given a life sentence at the age of 20 for organizing a secret Christian underground students' movement and for spying on the Soviet occupying forces. He was given two years in solitary, not two months, not two weeks, two years, and then two years down a prison coal mine where every single inmate had to break off 10 tons of anthracite coal every single day without machinery or explosives. Just a pickaxe. Ten tons a day. During the heady days of the Hungarian Revolution that lasted only ten days, at the end of which the revolutionary government of Imre Nagy was tricked, betrayed, led to the grounds of the Yugoslav embassy, hoping for a neutral site for negotiations from whence they were arrested killed and dumped in a mass grave. During those 10 days, the revolutionaries captured a Soviet tank. And with that tank, they understood that one tank, <laughs> no, not a big deal. When hundreds of tanks are flooding into your country from Ukraine, from Romania to stomp out the revolution, they said, what can you do with one tank? So they said, well, there are hundreds of our compatriots rotting in the central political prison. Let's go liberate them. They drove the tank all the way up to the main gate of the Duter Foghaz political prison, ordered the secret police officers and the prison guards to lay down their weapons, at which point they refused. 
And so they drove the tank through the main gate and killed all the secret police officers. A diminutive prisoner called Laszlo Luka was made the temporary commandant of the prison and was ordered to separate the common criminals, the bank robbers and the rapists, from those who were there because of their political affiliations or because they were a priest or a head of the YMCA. And one of those individuals who was a political prisoner was Paul Gorka. He was issued a typewritten card saying, this is your identity card of the new free Republic of Hungary. He went home to his widowed mother and then found out a few days later from an aunt, a great aunt in the interior ministry, that he was on a shoot-to-kill list. Meaning if he were recaptured, he wouldn't be sent back to prison. He would be shot in the head and kicked into the gutter. At that point, he remembered a promise he'd made to a very elegant older gentleman in prison who said to him, Paul, if you ever get out alive, will you take my daughters to freedom to the West? He looked up George's address in a phone book. Remember what those are? And he walked across a cold... November night, across the city of Budapest, arrived at George's home. He, too, had escaped from the political prison, knocked on his door and said, George, I'm on a shoot-to-kill list. I'm leaving tonight. Where are your daughters? Paul set off with 17-year-old Susan and 15-year-old Ergebet, Elizabeth. Ergebet had to turn back. She had polio. She couldn't hack it in the cold November night. And together, under a train carriage, Paul and Susan made it to the western border with Austria. They gave their last penny to a local peasant who knew the route through the minefield to Austria. They accidentally set off a trip flare, and before the machine guns knew where to fire, Paul and Susan made it to a refugee camp in Austria. Where, unlike here in America today, they were actually interrogated for six weeks by the security services of Austria to make sure that they're not fifth columnists or a threat to free Austria. At which point they were cleared. My father was told, there's a handful of nations taking refugees from communist Hungary. The UK, Australia, Canada, and the US. My father, who didn't know he'd been betrayed from MI6, said the UK. And thus it was that Paul Gorka and Susan Biro ended up in England. Not long after, they'd be married. And a few, years la- a few years later, they would sire a son. And that's me. I'm here because of brave people who fought for freedom. Much like those who fought for America's freedom in 1776, or those fighting for Ukraine's freedom today, or those fighting for the survival of Israel. All of these things are connected, fighting fascism, fighting communism, or fighting jihadis. Will America defeat her enemies who are now inside the wire? We have a very special show for you today. 
three hours of programming you don't want to miss. If you want to know more about the threat we face today and my family's story, it's all in my first book, Defeating Jihad, the one that propelled me to the White House. If you want to understand the threat to America from political persecution and stand up against it, we have put President Trump's booking photograph on a yard sign, on a T-shirt, on a mug. If you've had enough of the fascists here, go to sebgorkastore.com. That's S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A-Store.com. And if you want to support him directly, go to donaldjtrump.com. I'm Sebastian Gorka. This is America First, and we've only just begun. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.